Welcome back to another episode of Fast Women. I'm Eileen. And I'm Nicole. And today we are talking about our recent travels to Vietnam and Spain. I think No, I was in Italy. Not Spain. I was in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> That's very on brand. Wait, what country was, where I, was I in? I, I don't know where I was. On? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Nicole, well, I don't know where I was last week. You were in Vietnam with VinFast and VinGroup. Yes. So, and, I, and I haven't really talked to you about it. Like, we've been so busy. We haven't talked. So tell me all about it. Tell everybody all about it. I know. Eileen actually is going to hear this for the first time, too, because she didn't hear any of this because we've both been crazy. Her in whatever country she's in and me in Vietnam. So uh, I went to Vietnam with VinFast, which is a Vietnamese car company, which is a part of Vin Group, which is this gigantic conglomerate in Vietnam. I think if you live in the United States, you probably probably have never heard of it before. Um, But if you live in Vietnam, there's no way you'd miss it because they're kind of like, okay, no, this sounds a little evil overlord-ish, but like, you know, if you're a video gamer, they're a little bit umbrella corp. They're like everywhere, okay? They've like, they have cars, they have buses, they have resort hotels, they have hospitals, there's a university, there's an ambulance service, they have entire huge communities that are like, Honestly, they're size of small cities that they've put like a water park in there for everybody to use. It's like a full on, like welcome to Six Flags-ish kind of water park. Vin Group is gigantic, Eileen. It's, it's huge. It sounds a little bit like the Truman Show, but with like out the, without the scripting. Like, it's just like this yes. over, like, were you actually inside a dome or a bubble over the country of Vietnam? You know, I have no evidence that I really wasn't. So that's entirely possible that I was, um, but they are, they are humongous. So Vin Group, gigantic, Vin Fast, and everything has Vin in front of it. Like they put, it's like, you know, Vin Ambulance, Vin Pearl Community, Vin this. So the Vin Fast is the car branch of the VIN group. And they've been making cars in Vietnam for a long while. They have, like you see VINFAST cars all over the highways there, and they're just regular gas power vehicles. Well, they've decided that they're going to move into EVs. And it's not like, oh, we're slowly making this switch. It's bam, we're going to start making EVs. Goodbye, gas cars, hello, electric vehicles. So that was part of the reason why they brought us there. But it was really not just about the cars. It really was. It was a a week that you commit, first of all, because it takes so stinking long to get to Vietnam. You like lose a day basically just flying out there. And then everything that they wanted to show you, all the VIN things that I mentioned, they showed them all of them to us. So So you saw the ambulance service, the university, the hospital, the resort hotel? Yes. All of those things. In fact, it was funny. There were very many buses. This was a huge group that went over. There were about eight of us that were officially like on the U.S. media wave, but there were there were easily well over a hundred people at this thing. Okay, so but they, everybody had their own little buses, like like you know coach buses. You know we were media bus one, and we were on that. But at the very back, there's a little Vin ambulance that follows us. It was like Vin medic, I think it said oh. on the side, in case it's a little ambulance just, just follow like, along. And I, we, it's like little Richard Scary's little Vin fast world or Vin group world. Exactly, exactly. Just like put, put, put at the back, which is good because the, the idea being that if there was a medical emergency, they literally have an ambulance right there to help us, right, which was kind of right. cool. But so, yeah, so they start, so they show us all of these things, the non-car things, including these like huge communities that are, they're building all these houses basically. And all of these houses, like think like the largest condo complex that you could possibly imagine. Like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of buildings. They're all sort of, kind of, in varying stages of completion. So you don't see like, it's a little weird because it's not like you see it and you think, oh, they've done phase one and people are living there and phase two is in progress. No, kind of just imagine like the entire thing happens all at one time. You have built the skeleton to all of this and then a few over here are ready but most of them aren't. And some of them are like, have windows, some don't yet. It's a very strange construction process, but it is massive. And then there's a water park in the middle of it. We like walked through the water park. No one's there. Like a water park, water park or like a community water park? 
No, 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 no. Like water park. Now I think anybody can use the water park, but it's in the community. So like you could potentially walk out your door depending on where you live in this giant community and like huzzah water park right there. Like huzzah, you're at Six Flags Whitewater or whatever yeah. they call it. I guess the, uh-huh. it used to be Whitewater in Georgia. I don't, I think it's Hurricane Harbor now. I don't. Six Flags Hurricane Harbor. So you have Hurricane Harbor like thing right out. And it's like, there's rides and there's slides and there's the fake beach thing, you know, and there's little, little like cabana huts and there's little like food kiosks and all this stuff. It is a legit water park. So like that was one of the, so they showed us this to show us how they're trying to sort of invest in Vietnam and give people something a little bit, you know, a community that doesn't exist and give them housing and opportunities that might not exist otherwise in Vietnam. If you look at it that way, um, that's part of what they're trying to do. Um, so, but it was, it was a little odd to see these huge communities that are very much in progress where you're used to seeing a big community where it's like building one is done and everyone has kind of moved in and they're working on building two. And when, but you know how they kind of stage them here. So you're occupying things. Nope. Just just start the whole thing. And so it's it's a little it's a little weird. It's a little odd. So did you see them actually working on them? Like I remember like the Grand Tour and Top Gear where they would yeah. go to China and they'd see these cities that were like uh-huh. a third of the way completed, but there'd be no workers and you'd be like, well, the government. And you're like, what what happened yes. here? It was it was like that? It was a lot like that. Like you saw and there was there was yeah, it was a lot like that. Like you'd see sections and there were very, very few sections that looked like they had people living in them. And yet, like I wouldn't even see 10% of them, like a really small number that had people. And and the only reason I'd say they had people wasn't because I saw people, but because there were live plants on the balcony, maybe some curtains in the window, which made me think somebody lives in that one. But the other ones could be anything from just the cement outer structure to wood to maybe there's windows or a door here and there. Like it was very, it was, yeah, it's very not finished. And you'd see that, you know, the huge cranes that you see like working at the top of a skyscraper in New York City. And, you know, you'll see maybe five or six of them across the whole skyline of New York. There must've been 30 of them. Like that's the scope of the size of this giant landscape of these homes they're building. So it was, it was a little bit odd. Um, that was different for me, but the place we stayed at the very first night was entirely finished and it was called because Vin in front of everything, Vin Pearl, Ha Long. And I might be messing the name of that city, but that's how it looks to me as an English speaker. Vin Pearl, I got Ha Long, I think. Was that close to Ha Long Bay? I mean, that's like that famous bay, right? Yes, it was exactly. It was right by Ha Long Bay. So we stayed in this little, this little, um, it's not little, it's a fairly large resort on, it's essentially on a little island. You take a little boat out there. They have little official little boats that bring you back and forth. And then we did a tour of that Halong Bay, which has these massive like limestone islands. And what they make me think of anybody who's familiar with like Pandora from um, the Disney thing, it looks like that. It's really cool. But instead of floating rocks, they're actually in the ocean. It is actually gorgeous. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And we did this whole like cruise around there. And on the boat, they had all this very um, entertainment that was very typical of Vietnam, sort of showing off the Vietnam heritage, including this guy who played the flute and things I would never think I would ever say in my whole life life ever. The guy who played the flute totally brought down the house. He was amazing. He was, I know she's making this face. You had to see and hear this flute player playing the flute. It wasn't like this like cute little classical flute. It was like wooden flutes. And he had maybe five or six different ones because there were different lengths and things because I think they made a different sound he was really good. It was really cool. He's like playing this groovy music and it, it was cool. Eileen, you can roll your eyes all you want, girl. It was cool. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with like the multiple flutes. And like, I just expected, like, I, I just picture from Anchorman when Will Ferrell has the jazz flute and he's doing like, like <laughs> that I'd find entertaining, but on a different level, this seems culturally appropriate and very interesting. And I'm here for it. Yes. I was just, yes. when you started this it, was I was cult- like, are we doing yes. the Vietnamese version of jazz flute? Cause I'm just not sure that's where you should go. No, it was, it was really, I, I somewhere I have video. I took a little clip. You will see it next time I see you, I will play the flute and you will understand the flute. <laughs> um, so yes, definitely very culturally appropriate. And it was, it was very cool to see. And so that was a neat part of that stay at that particular. We stayed at the Vin Pearl because, again, all the Vin things are owned by Vin Group, and Vin Pearl was one of the hotels 
that are owned by Vin Group. Um, and I discovered something I love. I discovered Vietnamese coffee. Have you ever had this, Eileen? I have not had Vietnamese coffee, but I have had uh, Antwerp coffee, which sounds very similar, which, I okay. mean, like different sides of the world, obviously. Um, but yes. Antwerp coffee sounds very similar. So tell everybody what it, what it is made out of. So what you have is you take a glass and you're going to put like some sweetened condensed milk in the bottom. So you have this layer of the, the white in the glass. Then you put espresso on top of it, but you really aerate the espresso so it gets a little bit foamy on top. So when you pour it on top of the condensed milk, you have that layer of white for the condensed milk, the layer of really dark for the espresso, and then the slightly lighter layer that kind of looks like a foamy like a chocolatey foam, but it's it's just the foam from the espresso from aerating it. So it's this three-layer thing. I'm sure there's enough caffeine to keep you up for like a month and probably enough sugar to fill your daily caloric requirement for about as long. Um, it's amazing. It's so good, Eileen. It is the best thing ever. Okay, so I thought this was the thing with the egg that you asked me about. No, that's a different one. Vietnamese coffee is one thing. Egg coffee is a different okay, thing. Okay, so egg coffee is similar to the one that I had in Antwerp. So what is the difference? Okay, okay. so tell everybody what egg coffee okay. is. So, okay, so after we stayed at Vimpro, we went to Hanoi, which is amazing. And we stayed at this place called the Metropole Hanoi, which is this sort of old school hotel. And we did this walk through the old quarter, which I think if you if you would almost stereotype what you think of of of. Vietnam and Hanoi. People on scooters, there is no rhyme or reason to the traffic, but somehow there is. Um, it's just very frenetic, very crazy. People are sitting on little like sort of milk carton sized stools all over the place, eating their food on the sidewalk that you can get. Um, it's just, it is a crazy mess of people and culture and it was amazing well in hanoi they have a thing called egg coffee which is similar but different so that one and when they gave it to us it was like a coffee cup sitting on top of another little thing that had a little flame in the bottom to warm it up so they gave it to you and there's coffee in there and there's an egg yolk in there and there's condensed milk in there and you let it sit there over the little tea light and it warms up because i went to stir it and the woman was like no i was like okay don't stir it yet but you let it warm up. Not so much that you're cooking the egg yolk, you're just making it warm. You're kind of warming it up. And then you eventually mix it, mix, mix, mix. But you mix very aggressively. Because I think, again, they sort of try to aerate the, like get some, like make a foaminess to it. So you mix, 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 mix. You have a cup of coffee with just an egg yolk, a little bit of condensed milk in there. And then you sip that. And it's like this really rich, you don't taste the egg at all as egg. You just taste this rich creaminess to this egg coffee. It was really good. I have a picture of that, a little video. I'll show you that next time. I, she's mixing it up because I went to mix it. I was, she's like, just wait a minute or two, but not too long. I'm like, well, I, I feel like that's not definitive enough of a number. Do I mix yet? And the two times <laughs> I went to mix, she's like, no mix yet. I was like, okay. Ah, so I'm like, just, can you just mix this when it's time? So she did it for me and it was very cool. I will say that the egg coffee in Antwerp comes pre-mixed. And there's no well, little they, flame they, though. She, I do. I do appreciate foods that are served with a flame like that. Right? I'm here for. It was for. served with its. It like you know how like poo poo platters are always amazing because the flame you get to play with in the middle of a poo poo platter. Think like that. It's like a little flame by your coffee, and you go and you blow it out at the end. Aw. So it was. It was cool. It was nifty. So that was the egg coffee that was in Hanoi, which I understand is a not so much a Vietnamese thing as a specifically a Hanoi thing that you find that a lot there. Well, yeah. Well, very cool. All right, so we will take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the last resort you went to. Not your last resort, but the last resort you visited. And we'll also <laughs> talk about the cars because they don't sell them in America yet, but they want to, and they're coming to America, allegedly. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Yes. All right. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, we are back. You are listening to Fast Women with Eileen and Nicole. 
here brought to you by Newsweek. Today we are talking about Vietnam. Nicole just got back from Vietnam, touring with Vin Group. And we are going to talk a little bit about Lamborghini and my trip to Italy, not Spain, at the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've been told where I was last week because I have forgotten. Uh, Welcome to my life. So anyway, so Nicole, we we left off. You were talking about the different coffees you had, the different resorts you stayed at. You stayed at one other resort. And I see it here. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it is a... it is Vin yeah, Pearl. I'm going to mess Vin Pearl again. And then I'm going to, I'm sorry, everybody who speaks Vietnamese, not Trang. It's like N-H-A-T-R-A-N-G, not Trang, I think is how they said it, which is another Vin resort that's in a different area of Vietnam. Same kind of idea where it's this very beachy, you feel like you're on vacation place. Um, beautiful resort. They celebrated the last night with like this fireworks show and dancing and craziness. Um, and it was, it was, you know, it's very similar to the other resort, just a different location in the country. Um, and so that was another, and we, we, that was sort of our, our base of operations for, for the day that we did the actual driving in the car. Um, so that was like, so it was three resorts, the Vin Pearl Halong, then the Metropole in Hanoi, and then the Vin Pearl Natrang. So those were the three places that we stayed during the course of it. Um, and I did get money out. And can I just say in really 12-year-old Nicole, they're called Dong. That's what you. That's what your Vietnamese money is. And it's like 12-year-old Nicole cannot get over saying, like, I have a bunch of Dong in my wallet. I feel like it, like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, did you can, you, can you bring it so that next time I see you, I can have some Dong in my wallet as well? I'll you trade know what, you. Eileen, I have, I have Dong for you. I have, <laughs> yes. I, um, so, yeah. So And the funny thing, the conversion, rate is ridiculous so it's like you go to get a coffee and you're like that's a million dong you're like wow that's a lot of dong for a coffee but anyway um <laughs> we have just proven so, to the entire audience that despite our age we are in fact 9 10 11 and 12 on the inside yes I, uh-huh, yeah. yeah okay so any maturity you thought we had gone out the window with this whole thing and we were all giggling every person there <laughs> like it was yeah. funny so so from this resort is what because it was on a very large area and there's like the hotel and there's a restaurant and there's a separate karaoke place and like a bar it's it's a huge like resortish property that is where we finally got a chance to drive the car so we drove the vinfast vf8 they have the vf8 and the vf9 what are those the eight is the first those are two electric suvs the vf8 is the smaller of the two and it's the one that's coming out basically there's some confusion a little bit of not clarity in when things are coming out depending on who you ask and i don't think it's through intent i think things are just a little bit not quite as refined maybe and figured out as they would be on a typical OEM drive. They keep saying the end of this year. And I look at the calendar now it's October. Like it's, it's quick. They'd have to get on a boat and get certified and all that. That that's not going to happen. Like I feel like that's not going to happen. Well, I had one guy say they're going to be on sale in the U S and you're going to have them in October, which is now. Um, That's not going to happen. Right. So October, November, December, depending on who and how you ask, um, but they say they have the boat secured, they're ready to go, they're going to be here. So the thing is, they've been selling cars like they're not a new car company. They've been selling cars in Vietnam for a while. They're just new to the US and they're new to EVs. So kudos to them for making the transition. Like a lot of companies, you know, they're saying we're going to phase out slowly and move to EVs and we want to be better for the environment, but we're going to take our time to get there. They sort of said like, nope, we're going to do this. We're going to do this right now. This is the right thing to do. We're going to do it. Okay. Like good for them. But they developed this car in 21 months, Eileen, 21 months from we're going to make this to here you go, which that's impressive is impressive is impressive. But also there kind of is a reason why most OEMs take longer than 21 months. So you're saying it's not quite up to the standards what we are used to here in America. Yeah. So let me just say, I am rooting for anybody who has actually gotten their acting gear enough, any company to build a car, to build a good car. It is not a small undertaking. And although you can say Ving Group is huge or Toyota is huge or whoever is huge, they're all people at the end in those companies that make these cars. There's engineers and designers and people who are putting great effort into building a decent car. So I always root for them to succeed. So I need to be clear. I am hoping that they pull this off and they, that, that people have a great reception to this car. Mine was so-so. Um, I had a so-so drive. It was so, now also to clarify the drive was three laps that were maybe three minutes a lap. And did you on a closed did road? Did you actually drive? And was there somebody from VinFast in the car with you? 
Yes and yes. Okay. So I drove and there was a VinFast guy sitting in the right seat that had answers to some questions. I also, just as an aside, had someone who was there who's not a journalist who happens to be a really expert uh, on automotive technology as far as infotainment. And that was what his business has been for quite some time. They had actually asked him to come out solely to evaluate that. So I had him, we'd made a deal. He didn't care how the car drove. He was all about the infotainment. So we drove our laps together so I could drive more and he could play with the infotainment more, but they wouldn't let him sit next to me. They literally made him sit in the back seat okay. the whole time. Okay. I mean, insurance purposes. We do that in America sometimes. We do these drives. Yeah. Right. I think this was more just to make sure that they were, they were very, it was very, it, very controlled. It was very controlled. Um, so the thing is we get these laps and they don't tell us there's different versions. There's like an eco version of the car and there's a plus version. They don't tell me I'm in the eco version, which is supposed to have 348 horsepower. And it doesn't feel like that though. In the straightaway they gave me where they said, basically you weren't going to go over 120 clicks, which is like 75 ish miles an hour. I couldn't get it up to that. Like I stood on the accelerator and I could not get it up to that. So it doesn't have the acceleration of something like an Ionic five or right. Or Mustang. not even close, yeah. not even close. And it was frustrating. And so when I got back, I actually, I, it was hard to find a guy who was an engineer. I'm like, like powertrain people, somebody who designed the, 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 the innards. I'm trying to communicate <laughs> like that. I don't need the guy who designed the, the steering wheel. I need the guy who designed the other stuff. They finally get a guy and this guy knew his stuff. And he's like, you're in the wrong car. I'm going to take you out in, in the plus. This one has 402 horsepower. I know this one is flashed, right? Because there's also some confusion about like the button that was like normal eco sport. Some of them were flashed wrong. So like normal and sport were the same, maybe eco and sport. So there was a little confusion that I'm like, okay, I can write some of this off as just like things, things go sideways on, on, on occasion. I took them out on this one and yeah, it drove better, but it still didn't feel like it had the oomph that I expected. And I sort of confirmed that as an aside, I'm driving a Genesis GV60 this week. I like that. And it drives, it's, it's a good fantastic. vehicle. You, you mash the accelerator on that and that puppy moves. This didn't move like that. So even with 402 so, horsepower and electric torque, which is immediate torque, it still yes. was conservative in its acceleration. Yes, it was conservative. And here's what this engineer that sat with me that I asked, he said, when the battery gets down to 80%, it starts to sort of throttle you down in performance in the interest of preserving the battery. But yeah, that's kind of, if you uh, could see her face. Yeah. But you're not supposed to really charge batteries above 80%. Because that's where they they lose performance and longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, anyway, that's how this works. <laughs> so none of the vehicles I drove were above an 80% charge. So therefore, the vehicles I drove were all performing below their actual performance. How much, you might want to ask? Ask me how much how below. How much below? No one really knows. And we don't actually... No one was able so to... So you weren't actually able to test one that was at 100 so you don't actually know what the real performance is you have to take their word for it yes Hmm. so so it was a very and this also i i had questions about what the one i was driving was spec for is this a u.s spec is this a european spec is this a vietnamese spec because they will tailor how suspension and handling feel a little Mm -hmm. differently for different regions of the world because our roads are different and what we've come used to in different countries is different I had varying answers. The, this engineer, who I'm going to say is the guy who felt to me like he was the most in tune with the questions I was asking, he had said I was driving a Vietnamese spec that was still being tweaked a little bit so that the U.S. version would drive a little bit more um, in line of what I, as a U.S. driver, would prefer because I felt like the handling wasn't as crisp and sporty as I wanted it to be. Um, so I was... so. I feel like I'm ripping it apart and I kind of am. But at the same time, I just need to say again, 21 months from no car to car. But also if you're, you're going to enter the U.S. market, you have to be competitive. And there's some really I, great I, products out there. Yes. And so I have to ask, mm-hmm. talk to me about the interior because we can talk about Hyundai uh, and Kia and Ford and all, Genesis yeah, and these so, other great interiors. Is it up to par? It's close but not quite. So here's the thing. One of the things for the interior, because they, excuse me, had gas vehicles already, they took the center console from a gas vehicle. So it has these large buttons that say, you know, drive, reverse, park. So like a space that's maybe, I don't know, like a foot long on that center console is just these giant buttons. 
So it used, so it feels, so you've wasted all of this, like they didn't redesign that. And I felt like that should have been redesigned. Make the center console a little bit more useful. Like give me some extra space for my, my wallet or my key or whatever I want to throw in there. The, the finish, like the leathers weren't it, like, you know, there was some crinkling in the headliner, like a little bit of wrinkling in the headliner where they hadn't pulled it quite tight enough. Um, we, it, the leather was, the quality was fine, but it didn't feel like it was, again, pulled tight enough. It wasn't, the finishes just weren't there. We had a weird thing where the two, we drove two of them. He rode in the back seat the, um, on both of them, the guy that was the uh, infotainment guy that was evaluating it. And when he just put like one, he had his hand on the center of the seat as he was leaning forward in the back seat to kind of see the screen. And he just put his hand on his seat and didn't even lean very hard in the seatbelt thing came on. All it took was the weight of like, just lightly put your palm on the seat. And it was telling us the seatbelt wasn't buckled to the point that I'm like, I'm not sure I could put like a gallon of milk back there. It wouldn't just be like, bing, bing. Um, so, but I don't, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but I feel like the fit and finish is not up to snuff. And this is where the biggest issue is. I wish they'd spend another six months on this, Eileen. Just give it six more months. Give it six more months and and do, just finish it up. Like slow down, see where you need to finish stuff. Um, the cost on this is where it's, I think, where it becomes a problem. If it was less. So they have this funky thing where you can do a battery subscription service. You would pay $42.2 for the car and your battery subscription service is $169 a month on top of whatever deal you work out to buy it. Okay. Then if the battery, for example, falls under 70% charge at any point, they replace your battery. They do all the battery maintenance. So that is $169 per month for the length of however long, forever in perpetuity, that never changes, but you're buying the car for 42.2. If you want to buy it straight up, like I just want to buy it. I don't want to mess around with this battery subscription thing. It's $57,000. No. So it's no, absolutely not. It's not. That's the problem. Again, I'm looking at this. I just, and it's dumb luck that I have this Genesis GV60 sitting here. It's a couple thousand dollars more than that in the interior. And this thing is beautiful. The drive is better. The interior is better. The looks are better. It's a far better looking and it's quirky and it's still far better looking. Oh yeah. So it's like, if you look, it's like if the pricing was low enough on this, I might be like, okay, you got some compromises. The pricing isn't low enough. Mm. It's not, it's just not. So that's a sadness for me. So I, I didn't hate it. It really, honest to God, it feels unfinished. It feels like it needs, needs another six months. If they could do for six more months what they did for the first 21 in terms of the speed and getting things done, I think they could have something really phenomenal. I'm concerned that the U.S. market with vehicles like the GV60 for luxury buyers with the um, Ionic 5 and the EV6, you have too many good, good EV options out here to release one as a company that's a complete unknown in the U.S. and not have it be like spot on. Yeah, I, it, it sounds to me like they're not ready to be here. And kind of, that's how it feels. To and me. I think the American public at this point, like we're not a thousand percent down with EVs yet. Like take the six months, take the nine months, take the year. But that's what happens when you make these hard promises. And I think in this, in this environmental environment of where we are with companies and the chip shortage and manufacturing issues, you can start blaming stuff on there and say, you know, we're expecting a delay. So we might hear that down the line. They might, we could, I mean, and I feel like that could happen. And, you know, but honestly, I mean, given a choice, right. As a company, you, you put everything and saying, you're going to have it out right now. You have really deep pockets because Vin group has incredibly deep pockets. So it's not like there's this, okay, if we don't release it by November, the numbers are no longer going to jive because people haven't bought the cars yet. No God, we're in trouble. I don't think that's an issue for these guys at all. I think they have really, really deep pockets as a part of in-group. But how are people going to receive it? I think if they said, look, guys, it's delayed because we don't feel like it's up to snuff. We feel like we need to finesse it. We want to give you a product that is 100% ready for you. We could give it to you now, but it doesn't have what it should have. And we don't want to do that. I think people who maybe ordered one are going to be disappointed, but at the same time, wouldn't you think, well, I'd rather have it done. It's late, but at least it'll be finished as opposed to getting it now kind of finished. Well, and then there comes into fact, do you want to buy a car you want to spend $57,000 on a car that is from a manufacturer that does not have a presence in the U.S., that this is their first right. out of the gate. I mean, we saw how long it took for Kia to be an established brand that's worth anything, exactly. and people still have apprehension about them. And it's and it's you, a yeah, hard road was, to hoe. 
Well, and Kia and Hyundai are established brands and they make some knockout cars, but you still talk to people who are like, oh, I wouldn't buy a Hyundai. They're junk. I'm like, maybe they were 15 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. They're fantastic right now. And people still haven't gotten rid of that first impression for Hyundai and Kia. It's despite how far they've come. Now you've, now you've got another, it's like people said that, well, you know, they did it at Hyundai. They did it at Kia. It took them a long time. And those cars were introduced at a different point. So it's not the same world that it was then. Can VinFast do it? I don't know. I think they have the potential to have a really great vehicle. I really do, Eileen. I think there's a lot there. And again, what they've managed to do in this really short amount of time is darn impressive. I I just don't feel like it's ready. I had one of the other journalists say, I think you're being too hard on them. I'm like, I'm being honest. I just don't think it's ready. It feels like a pre-production thing. You would have driven like, hey guys, we're going to do a first drive for this in about eight months, but take this one quick drive in it that you can't say anything about it yet just to kind of get a first look at it. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, well, Mm -hmm. switching from that, we'll come back and talk about something that is the opposite of an EV, which is a Lamborghini. And But they are headed toward EVs. We'll talk a little bit about that, about my trip to Italy, not Spain, when we get back from break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back with another segment of Fast Women. I'm Eileen. Nicole's on the other mic. And we have just finished up talking about Vietnam. Nicole's back in the United States. I am back in the United States. I am, in fact, at my house. I know where I am right now. Are you I sure? Think I do. I feel like I'm sitting. This all looks very familiar. Um, <laughs> I am home. Um, but I was in Italy last week, not Spain, Italy. Uh, flew from the U.S. to Amsterdam, which I'm happy to report we had no delays at Schiphol, Woo-hoo. which never happens. Um, it was lovely. Uh, as always, the KLM team was accommodating and wonderful. And uh, headed into Bologna, which I've never been to Bologna. Oh, a new place for you. What do you think? Place? Well, I didn't actually go to Bologna. I go into the airport. Oh. So <laughs> I'm like, oh. to be clear, oh, the, airport. The, airport, <laughs> the airport is actually quite nice. Um, I was, it was actually a cute little airport. So like 16 gates, um, but all like city hopper size um, with these, I mean, when you're, your arrivals is always kind of, you know, whatever. But when you're departing, it's got these little cafes and I was able to order like a sandwich. They had fresh pasta. It was everything you wanted out of your little Italy experience. Um, nice. Very happy with the Bologna airport. Um, but I have to tell you, so I know I told you off off mic. I don't think our listeners have heard of the last Lamborghini trip I was at in Valencia. Um I had a very early flight. I had like the first flight out of Valencia uh, to CDG, uh, Charles de Gaulle Airport. And it was like a f- 6 a.m. flight boarding at like 5.15 probably. Um, they insisted I get to the airport two hours before boarding, which mm-hmm. was 3.15 in the morning. Lovely. Yeah, I didn't really sleep. So that, that was fine. Um, but I got to the airport and the gentleman who dropped me off, and I will say Lamborghini is well aware of this story and we laugh about it. So it's not that I'm upset about it. Like, to be clear, I find it amusing at this point. A little ticked off at the moment, but amusing at this point. Um, so they dropped me off at the airport. As you do, luggage in hand, I go and pull on the door. The airport is not physically open at 3.15 in the morning. <laughs> so if you, if you will, picture me <laughs> having not slept, it, counting on like sleeping at on the plane and then on the plane back to America. Um, mm-hmm. I am on a very cold steel bench outside the airport with like the one dangling light at 3.15 in the morning <laughs> by myself. <laughs> me and the guy waxing the floors inside the airport see each other. He opens the door for me and welcomes me in. Um, we He looks around. I look around. A couple more people show up and they're like, obviously like, well, the airport's not really open. So I sat in a chair for an hour while I waited for the airport to open. Um, oh, and at that point I was annoyed and wanted coffee because I was like, if I've got to be awake for another hour and a half, I haven't slept. I'm going to need some coffee. So did you like exchange emails with a floor polishing guy so you could stay in I touch? didn't. I didn't. He was lovely though. <laughs> he was lovely. Um, <laughs> he was very accommodating. He w- he stopped and asked me to lift my feet every time he went by. He didn't, you know, like, <laughs> did yeah, he just, he push just pushed me out, out of the way. way. Um, yeah, Aww. he was actually great. Um, 
but I uh, none of the concessions were open. Um, the vending machine was open and then the vending machine was not taking my credit card. So I like, Aww. it was just one of those experiences. You're like, just get me out of Valencia. Valencia doesn't find me out of Valencia. Right. Okay. So that was the last Lamborghini trip I was on. Um, all has been made well. The people of Spain were fantastic, but I was in Italy this time and I got off the plane and went through and I stopped to use the restroom, did not linger, but just stopped to use the restroom. I go down yes. and our emails always say something like there'll be somebody with a Lamborghini sign waiting for you to take you to the resort. So I show up, I got out of arrivals, there's no Lamborghini sign. I walk the length of the airport, which it's not that long, but I walk the length of the airport. I've been traveling for 22 hours at this point. And I'm like, huh, there's no Lamborghini sign. So I sit directly under the sign that says, meet your party here. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) that seems like the right place to be. Yeah, like a giant airport sign. I'm like, this is, I am in the spot, right? Um, And I text the Lamborghini uh, person. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm here. I'm not, I've been looking for five minutes. Haven't seen somebody always being polite because you know, it's not their fault. And, um, and I get the text back and she's like, Oh my gosh, so sorry. You know, hold on one second. Uh, We'll try and sort this out. No problem. Whatever. I'm on my phone, you know, texting you, texting my husband, whatever. Um, a couple minutes go by and she texts me. She says, your driver says you were in the car with him. Oh Lord. And my response was, (laughs) I I assure you, I am not. I was like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, and I'm just kind of like, so like, then their thoughts are like, do you have another driver? Like, do I need to take a taxi? I can take a taxi, not a problem. I can right. take, like, that's it's not that expensive. It's fine. Like, I can solve this problem. You can solve this problem. And she goes, no, he assures me you are in the car with him. But I was just like, no, I'm literally, again, again no, sitting I'm on a not. bench at the airport. Do you want to take a picture? She's like, here's me, <laughs> selfie, at the airport with the waiting for my party sign. So as it turns out, the people in the Lamborghini, or not in the Lamborghini, they were actually in a Mercedes. We had a car service. Um, they were the other people on the trip, but he had assumed that they they were actually on the plane with me, headed in. We'd all sat near each other and had become like friends on the plane. So it was like funny because they were on the trip, but he thought I was her. And so he was just assumed that we were all going together. And we were not. So then they had to circle back about two thirds of the way to the resort and come pick me back up. <laughs> so um, Ben and Kara were lovely and accommodating and we all had a great laugh about it. Um, I think we thought it was funnier than the driver did because I mean, what can you do? Um, but but right. again, they were lovely. It was not Lamborghini's fault. They were lovely. Um, but it was just like, it's, so like I was joking with my husband. I was like, so what's going to happen on the next Lamborghini trip I go on? Like, what, what, dumb, where dumb, do I dumb. get left this time? <laughs> but um, it was fine. It was fine. It, like, and these things happen. And you have to, like we always talk about, you have to have another plan. You have to be accommodating um, and always be nice to people because they're trying to to fix you, uh, fix your transportation issues for you or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it, it's just one of those things you're like, oh, okay, this is just my day now. This is how this is going. This is how life rolls. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, so after that slight, deviation of the plan we drove to this amazing resort and it's called the varjana resort i am a hundred percent pronouncing that wrong it is a a multi multi multi-star hotel and um it is south of bologna and you drive and it basically looks so bologna is kind of in like a flatland and it's surrounded by hills you drive toward the hills and you get to the hills and then it's right on the court edge of the hills and hills it's actually mountains it's not hills it's legit mountains um (laughs) and it reminds me a lot of napa that whole area reminds me very much of napa in so much as a lot of it's in drought as well um but you drive and there's just the resort we were at is obviously a a large uh an estate back back you know hundreds of years ago and there's vineyards everywhere and groves of olives and it's just it's it's everything you want out of that serene you know mountain-ish experience in that part of Italy it is gorgeous it's a wellness resort um so everything was calm and quiet and you couldn't hear your neighbors in the other room which was good because we all knew each other and I hate when you're like staying at a resort and you know everybody around you and you can hear all their phone calls or like there's been times I've taken a phone call yes. that people shouldn't hear just like a work phone call and like I'll hide underneath so the comforter. Do you do the thing? <laughs> well, so you know what I always do? I always make sure like when there's a, sometimes, you know, there's the door to adjoining rooms and if they're not adjoined, they just keep the double door closed. I always go f- as far away from the adjoining door as possible because every now and then you can, someone clearly is standing or sitting right by it and you're like, 
I don't need to hear this conversation, strange person on the other side. You can hear every single word. You're like, dude, you're having a conversation with me too. And it's never the the everyday conversations. It's always the seedy ones are the ones that you hear. Mm-hmm. It's it's the ones you no, don't want to hear. You're like, no, la, la, no. la, 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 Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it was an amazing spot. So we stayed not at the hotel area itself. We stayed in a villa on a hill. And it's this okay. reformed farmhouse area. And it's just like, it's like it's out of a picture book. It's everything you want. It's modern on the inside, but also like there's tapestries, um, there's marble, it's fine finishes. It is luxury and it feels luxury, but it also feels like you've stepped back in time where it's luxury, but it's also, you know, this, you wouldn't feel like you weren't at home, but also like there's working toilets and a bidet and the shower's great, um, <laughs> except for there wasn't a lot of hot water, but that's beside the point. Well, that's a Europe thing a lot yeah, of the time. I did, the hot water is questionable. They don't mind a lukewarm shower, I think. I, mind. I would say not necessarily lukewarm. I would say cold and it was 40 degrees oh, outside. Wow. So I felt like, oh, that's yeah. brisk and refreshing it, first thing it was in the morning. Brisk, <laughs> and then it was at that moment that I realized that they did not replace my towels from the day before. They just took them. So I dried with my bed sheet, (laughs) which is, again, not the ideal hotel experience. Okay. Do they have robes? Because robes also make a handy towel when they've forgotten to put your towels in your room. Ask me how I know. Robes are great. They do have. (laughs) Just blot yourself dry with a robe. They did have a robe. I used it the day before because I was ironing, and I've learned the hard way you don't iron without a robe on. And and they took that and did not replace it. So I was was sheet drying myself. um, And then I used my hair dryer a little bit. To, to warm up well yeah a little underarm with a hair dryer it was great phenomenal um but I mean in, in all honesty this resort was just gorgeous and the accommodations were amazing and it was someplace if you really wanted to just check out of reality and walk mm-hmm. and drink wine and have a villa and have a romantic weekend even amazing amazing place to go I just pulled up the pictures online it looks absolutely beautiful there's like it looks like there's four or five different villas there they're all gorgeous. yeah and they're just opening a new one which is inside an old church so they basically took these old buildings oh, wow. and completely rehabilitated them um it looks like it's either brand new or a thousand years old and you can't tell the difference on the outside except for the fact it all looks fresh. That's really cool. It's very cool. Yeah, it looks beautiful. It's, it's exactly what you want. And like right now I'm looking at, like if you want to go this weekend, or I'm sorry, the first week in November, it's $175 a night according to Priceline.com, which sounds what? ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds way too cheap, but okay. Yeah, but um, I would I would pay triple that in a heartbeat for this resort. It was absolutely, it was absolutely (laughs) phenomenal. But the real reason I was there was not to try the wellness resort. I actually didn't even have time to walk among the vineyards and I didn't drink enough wine, um, which all of those things, sad face. Um, But I was actually there to drive some Lamborghinis and to go explore the sustainability of Lamborghini, which is kind of a weird juxtaposition, right? You don't think of the Italian sports car, this muscle car, this fuel-eating muscle car, as being mm-hmm. um, sustainable. And quite honestly, it's not really sustainable. That's that's where they're at. They know they're not. Um, right. But they're working on okay. it. So they have a plan. So their roadmap is to, quote, celebrate the internal combustion engine this year. Woo-hoo! Which <laughs> I celebrate the internal Yay! combustion engine Huzzah! every day. <laughs> Um, which that's great. And what it basically means is this is the end of the road for their internal combustion engine as we know it today. And that means that the next step is transitioning to hybrids. And that will be by the end of 2024. The first hybrid model will be launched next year in 2023. Um, Basically during that time period. So over the next two years, just by introducing hybrids, they will reduce CO2 emissions by 50% from their vehicles. Oh, that's huge. The, that's a big difference. Yeah, starting in the beginning of 2025. That is enormous. And that's part of a $1.5 billion allocation uh, over four years. That's not a small investment, especially for a company that, you know, only makes a couple thousand vehicles a year. Like that's, that's right, a right. huge amount. And they're owned by Volkswagen Group. So part of this larger Volkswagen sustainability picture. And then the second half of this decade, we'll see our first fully electric Lamborghini. Now, I will say I didn't take a lot of photos of cars on this trip because I saw a lot of things I couldn't take photos of. Um, But I will say this, and this is one of the things I can say, they're not abandoning who they are. They are sticking to who they are. They are sticking to, you know, this aggressive driving and all that. But how do they do it in a world that's slightly more sustainable? So... So it's still going to, your Lamborghini is still going to feel like a Lamborghini when all is said and done. That is the impression that I get. 
I can't say that for sure, but that's the impression that I get. So we drove okay. from the resort to Santa Gata, which is the headquarters of Lamborghini. And to get there, we drove the sustainable Lamborghini Huracan STO, which is okay. jokingly sustainable. Um, it is what <laughs> <laughs> I last drove that on a track at Willow Springs. Um, I really enjoy it. It is meant for the track. It is certainly a track car, but it is comfortable and fun and responsive and all those things on the street. Uh, Larry Prince, who is a friend of yours and mine, he is a writer for the Detroit Bureau and for the Tribune News Network. He, uh, he and I drove the bright purple STO with bright nice. yellow uh, accents and a bright oh yellow uh, as, uh, wing. And it, so you were totally like trying to be sort of inconspicuous under the radar. Didn't want anyone to notice you. Okay, 100%. They put us in it and Larry and I were like, yes, this is Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> so we drove that and that was fantastic. Drove that back and forth. But then um, halfway through the day, we got to switch and they let us pick. And I picked the Aventador SVJ, which is something I've never driven. Mm. And the Aventador okay. just went out of production. Like while I was there, they made the last one. So that they will ever make. Aww. So I was kind of excited to do that. Um, it was a short trip. I drove it to an, their environmental park called the Lamborghini Park. Um, it was Aww. a quick, fast, um, fuel-burning <laughs> drive to the Lamborghini Park. <laughs> um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, I was just kind of happy. I, you know, that was one of those white whales that we have that we've never really driven in the industry. Yeah. That was one of my white whales. I got to knock that off. I enjoyed it. I would love to own one. If anybody has one and wants to gift one to me, I am currently accepting donations. Um, <laughs> that's where we're at for that. So while I was there, we learned about, um, kind of their future plans, just talked a little bit about the product, but also what they're doing today. And one of the things I thought was really cool is what they're doing with carbon fiber. So we know carbon fibers in the more expensive cars, and we know that to get it, there's, you have to harvest carbon. It's not a great process for the earth. It's horrible to mine. You know, it's the polymers they use are awful to adhere it together. Right. One of the things that they're chewing at Lamborghini is they're working on recycled carbon fiber. And so what they're able to do oh. is actually heat up the used carbon fiber. So, so they take you know, a part of a door or something. You can melt mm -hmm. it down in this process where it separates the polymer from the carbon fiber. And you can actually then just reuse the carbon fiber. Oh, that's kind of cool. Excuse me. Actually, really cool. Like that's just something that like, you don't yeah. think of. Um, they're taking the leather that they um, that they use for the interiors of the cars, and they're sending that to a facility that is just a few miles from where Lamborghini's headquarters is. And this facility employs people of all backgrounds. They employ immigrants. They have people who are disadvantaged. They have, um, people with disabilities, and they are using that leather to craft goods that Lamborghini sells on its website and in its showrooms. And like oh, branded merchandise. Really and so it's yeah. it's kind of cool. It, it, they're, they're tying these things together. When you think about sustainability and a better working environment, it's not just recycling this leather and making it into goods. It's also pushing that money toward an organization and a business that is doing good. Yeah. And so there's a bigger eye there. Um, so the carbon fiber is carbon fiber was cool and um i really the leather goods are fantastic i mean i i was able to get one um i got like a i put my watch in it it's about like a like maybe like a four inch by two inch pouch but it's kind okay. of like, like i would throw like my earrings and my watch and like my jewelry in there yeah um, but not necklaces but just like it's like a great little zipper pouch and it's yellow which is fantastic because i love the yellow interior of the urus the bright yellow um Yes. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, we walked through the factory there. Um, we went through the paint room, which was really interesting. Not the paint room. It's a paint building where they do the Urus painting and went through the different processes of how they do the Urus painting and how they've made it more sustainable. Right down to the, the what they store the paint in is these cardboard containers that they come in as opposed to these big like they've got other parts in there, obviously, that, you know, like jugs and right. stuff like that. But it's just a an eye toward more sustainability. They're, they're, they're trying to make yep. the process more sustainable and they, they're really cutting down on the lag time between products and how they, how they can boost more production. I mean, they're only making, I think they're making 23 Uruses a day. That's it. You know, that's, which isn't a lot. You know, the thing that I think is neat about hearing the story about how they're, you know, did the sustainability, like we all think of sustainability, especially with, with corporations as being these big, huge things that have to be done. Like we have to make this giant move right here. But there's so many pieces to building a car, especially that if you make changes, small changes in a lot of different areas in your process, 
cumulatively, they're huge. It's not always this really giant change, like something as simple as like cardboard containers for the paint. That doesn't sound big, but if you make that kind of change many, many times in many, many areas, you can have a very big impact. And it's kind of weird because I don't think the consumer already always sees that. You see the big stuff. You don't see like, yeah, but they changed all these little pieces all through here to try to give you a car that is actually much more sustainable, much more environmentally conscious in how it was produced than the one that they made like a year ago. You right. Know? And then absolutely, it goes beyond the vehicle itself, like you were talking about, the paint. But also one of the cool things is they are running the plants mostly on biogas right now. That's awesome. Which um, we took a, a multi-kilometer bike ride um, through <laughs> a pasture um, on the streets, yes. but also through a pasture with helmets on. Um, uh-huh. and, and we, we, we discovered the area where they are harvesting the fuel for the biogas. We actually went to the plant that's producing it, which is across the street from them. Um, it was really phenomenal. It was really interesting to see, you know, basically the, the, the products, the wheat and, and other environmental elements ferment, they collect the gas, it rises, they collect the gas, the gas gets shipped over literally in a pipeline across the street to the Lamborghini plant. And they burn that just like a uh, natural gas and it powers the plant. And so they're not, really yeah. Neat. And it's, it's just things like that, that you don't, we don't talk about that a lot, but it's a really interesting sustainability, a really interesting story of a lot of smart people doing a lot of smart things um, that are yeah. outside the realm of just the cars you see on the street. And so it's, it was really interesting. Um, the other thing we did, uh, it, 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 I get why they're doing it, but it's not directly related to really anything they're doing is they developed this park it looks like they took over an old field, and I think okay. that's kind of what it was. It's kind of in the middle of, of between the plant and the town, and it's not very big, but it is, it's sizable, and they have built this ecosystem there where they are studying the best ways for reforestation of natural areas and plant density and tree density and all wow. of these sorts of things. We spoke to an expert who was talking about all of that it was fascinating i could not relate half of the information he told me um but it was just really interesting and it's just one of those things they're investing in things other than cars and plants and and, and plants right. production plants and things like that they're investing in real plants and they also have some waterways there that they're studying um some ponds and some ecosystem changes there to see if there's improvements they can make around the plant and around italy and around everything else they're doing um and then the other thing they have is bees there um, you know, we talk about how bees were dying a few years ago. It's not really a right. sexy topic a right now. Thing. Yeah, it's not as much now. Yeah. Um, but they actually have bees there and they've harvested the honey. And I was able to bring some Lamborghini honey home. Was it tasty? Um, I don't I don't really eat honey. And so my husband tasted it. He said, <sighs> did Phil try it? What did Phil my say? My husband says that it tastes very much like uh, expensive honey. No, he said it tastes very good. <laughs> he's, he's never. It tastes fancy and Italian and high price. Well, he said, he said that he's, his thing is, you know, Honey has different tastes depending on where it's grown. And this didn't taste like any of the honey he's had from America. And so it was different, but he said it was very tasty. And so it has a place in our home now um, and he is using it. So I assume he likes it. Um, Okay. There's something called fireweed honey that we got in Alaska. Fireweed. Like, yeah, just it. It is some of the best honey we've ever had. But apparently the plant is like an Alaska thing. I think I think it was Alaska fireweed honey. Anyway, it tastes totally different just because of where it comes from the uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. The last thing I had with honey on it was that French toast in Spain, and that was good. Oh, that sounds that good. That was really good. French toast. Yeah. At that Geronimo restaurant with the French toast. Mm, yeah, that, that would be good. Yeah. Yum, yum, yum. But anyway, so that's what I was doing. I, I basically went there and spent, I spent like 14 hours, like, in depth talking about sustainability with Lamborghini and really came out the other side impressed. I was very skeptical going in. Um, I was happy to get the invitation because I was like, uh, excuse me, what? And now I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like they kind of had their act together and it's exciting okay. to see. I, I am, I'm all in on the Lamborghini sustainability train. Um, I'm also all in again for those donations of the Aventador SVJ. If anyone has one and would like to ship it to me, I'm willing to absorb some of those costs, um, for a see, donation. Eileen wants a car. All I want is some of this Lamborghini honey. That's all I'm looking for. A little jar of Lamborghini honey. That's all I want. I don't need a car. I mean, I could use a car, but if I could just get Lamborghini honey, I think I'd be happy. I think you can order on their website you can get rolls royce honey too you really think you can you can order rolls royce honey too or maybe you can't order Uh, rolls royce i know you can i know rolls royce has honey because they have bees rolls royce has like a beekeeper and like they have lands and things of sustainability 
It's a whole thing. Oh my gosh, Lamborghini for World B Day. I'm Googling. There's this whole thing. It's a whole world I didn't even know existed. Oh my God, this is hilarious. And welcome to Nicole wait, 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 has lost is, the rest of her day. This is Lamborghini, honey, is a real thing, but only employees. I don't think I can, but you lying liar. I don't think I can buy it. Oh, well, I I am so sad I now. will find a time Rolls to bring Royce, you, honey. Rolls-Royce has an apiary with six colonies of around 300 English bees. Mm-hmm. Honeybees. Oh, so you can get, oh, that sounds like it would be very snooty, honey. Lamborghini would be like, rawr, honey, and Rolls-Royce would be like, oh, I'm fancy, honey, I don't need any of your rawr. Okay. <laughs> well, I haven't tasted the Rolls-Royce, honey, but I will do a comparison. I will find a way, I will find a way to bring you some honey. Um, <laughs> some Lamborghini, some Lamborghini honey. honey. <laughs> um, now, we did tease last week, um, just real quick before we go to our next segment, we did tease last week that we would tell um, the listeners what we are doing in a few weeks. Um, you and I are setting off with another Italian company on an adventure, yes. something we have never done before. That doesn't adventure. And it doesn't involve us leaving the country, which is actually kind no. of exciting. Well, technically, technically, because of where it ends, it ends at the Italian consulate in Washington, D.C. So it technically ends on Italian soil. That is true. That is absolutely true. I mean, so technically, we're kind of leaving the country a little bit. You want to tell them what it is? So we'll be doing the Millamelia warm-up, which is mm-hmm. in the U.S. It is a race, but it is not a traditional car race. It is a race with time speeds and time zones, and it's very, um, it's very particular. It's not just like go yes. go all to the wall and see if you can make it there at the end without destroying the car. It is a very particular right. experience. And it's something completely different than the racing that you and I have done, um, whether it be off-road yes. or on-road. Uh, and we're doing it in an Alfa Romeo Stelvio. From what I understand, it, it might just, change. It might change. There's a boat it, coming. It might <laughs> change between now and then. <laughs> Well, see, I, I kind of feel like we're doing it in Alfa Romeo, whatever is there in the lot when we arrived to pick it up at Washington <laughs> yeah. Dulles. So it's going to be a new Alfa. There are There is a whole class where there's like vintage um, cars. So it's going to be neat. It's not just like new cars and these aren't really race cars. Like this is stock cars. And some of these people are doing the Milmilia in... Um, in Italy, the, the 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 big one, you know, and this is like a warm up version of it. So th- it's going to be kind of cool. I'm sort of excited to to do this, and it's going to be fun. Yes, it will be exciting. We're going to f- uh, record an episode. We're going to do a little segment every day after our races. Yes. So we'll be able to take you along uh-huh. with us. You'll live the journey with us. Um, live the journey. Live the journey. Um, it is in Virginia, outside of Washington D.C. Um, it is mm-hmm. a six day trip for us, um, yes. where we will be. Absorbed in all things there and not answering our emails until the end of the day. So anyone who works with me and listens to that, don't email me until the end of the day. Everybody stop. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it's exciting. It should be fun. And and honestly, we're doing it. Our goal is to someday do the real Millamelia in Italy. So this is. That's that's on our list. So this is, we saw this and we're like, I wonder if we could do this just as a a little taste of that to make sure we're we're cool with it when it's only here in our sort of in our own backyard. Um, So it'll be, I'm excited to try some of this. I'm really excited excited to see all the people coming to this like the people entering the cars and the different vehicles i think it's going to be like so much eye candy automotive eye candy everywhere yeah and there's a car show so if you're in middleburg virginia or around there and want to come see the car that we're driving meet us and to see the other race cars you can do that um the millimilia website has all that information um we'll put that up on social media for you and we want to thank Alfa Romeo, because they are giving us the car and the support to do this. Um, yes. They have been amazing to work with, and we are looking forward to testing. The, I believe we're dri- going to be driving a new version of an Alfa that is just now making its way to America. So it's a kind of a big test drive for us. We've never driven this version yeah. of the car. Um, and I have a soft spot for Alphas. Like, I love them. I've never owned one. I wanted Julia so bad, I can't even tell you. It is like, it is the next car I would buy if I was buying a car tomorrow, which I'm not, but... But if you were, and the Aventador did not get dropped off at your doorstep, that would no. be. <laughs> and yeah, and then, an Aventador, neither an Aventador nor a Lamborghini Honey showed up at my doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So we will go to break. We'll come back with Scorecard, our favorite part of the episode. And I will be answering questions this time. Nicole will be asking them. And I have no idea what they are. So stay tuned. Hey! 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back to Fast Women. I'm Eileen. Nicole's on the other side of the mic, and we are moving into scorecard. Nicole's got questions for me, and I've got answers, whether appropriate or not. Um, I will be answering your questions. So, Nicole, what do you have to ask me this week? So I love it when it's my turn because when it's at, when I'm asked the questions, I immediately feel like I'm like standing in front of a class in the spelling bee and I forgot how to spell the word the. So I get really <laughs> anxious. So I'm always glad when I get to ask. Okay, so your first thing, you have to pick between the egg coffee or the Vietnamese coffee. Which one would you rather have? Oh, um, I'm going to say Vietnamese coffee. Because, you know, I like a little bit of sweeter coffee. I'm not huge on the Mm -hmm. taste of espresso. But I will say Mm -hmm. that there is nothing better than having a hot cup of coffee, like underneath an awning of a coffee shop, like sitting even if you're on the sidewalk, on a rainy day. Like when we had the Antwerp coffee, it was just like, this hits the spot. I also had a big bucket of mussels next to me that I ate. But um, that was good too. But I think the Vietnamese coffee with the sweetened condensed milk, I will take diabetes and espresso for 1000, Alex. Okay, diabetes and espresso it is. Check. Okay, so we're sticking on the, the Vietnam train for a little bit here. Okay, so you have to pick one of these two forms of transportation to get you around the crazy that is Hanoi, where there's traffic lights that I don't know how to interpret and no real lines, and you just drive in the direction that you want to go with purpose. You either have to ride one of those crazy little like Vespa scooter things, or you have to take a rickshaw. Rickshaw. Why rickshaw? Because I feel like I would rather have my destiny at lower speed in the hands of somebody who does that more often. <laughs> like, I feel like I can bail from a rickshaw. I'm not entirely sure if I let the Vespa go. One, there's like, obviously we have to pay for whatever damage, but like, I feel like it's just yes. going to, I'm going to let go and I'm going to fall and the Vespa is going to somehow, the clutch is going to stay and it's going to keep going like a block and a and half. Like plow yeah, down random like pedestrians. I've, I've met my luck and I feel like that's what would happen. So that's where we're at with that. I feel like the, I feel like the rickshaw is the way to go. Um, the rickshaw. Yeah, okay. I can jump out of a rickshaw and be confident that if okay. it keeps going, that that gentleman in the lead is the one who's supposed to be. It's going to yeah. be piloting it out of harm's yeah. way. I, I, I feel okay. good about that. That's made Now, the next one is because you're very confused about where you were. So now you have to pick one of these countries. You're going on vacation, honest to God vacation, no email, no phone, no nothing. Someplace where there is no internet whatsoever. Spain or Italy? Oh. Silence. I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask a question. I, I, knowing my husband listens to this, do I have to bring my husband with me? Because that makes all the difference in the world about where I choose. Because we know he does not okay, like a I, beach. So I, I love your husband. I'm going to say you don't have to, but you may if you so choose. I would like to not get divorced. I should probably bring like my husband to, with me. The answer should be, I, of course I would take my husband <laughs> with me always. He's met me. He understands. Are you kidding? <laughs> He's rolling his eyes so hard right now listening to this. <laughs> um... I'm going to say Italy because I just love Lake Como. And I feel like it's the best of both worlds. You can be both warm and have mountains. Mm. And the resorts there are lovely, but they're small. So you don't have like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You can have a pool, but you also have the lakes. You can do a boating adventure. So you can have like kind of like the best of like the beach and the mountains and all that at the same time. And the food's amazing. It's going to be amazing in both countries. Um, It is. You can't go wrong on the food. The food can't be a deciding factor because it's so amazing both places. Yeah, I think if I was going to go with my husband, I would choose Lake Como, Italy. Okay, Italy. All right, now moving more to an automotive question um today right now you're buying a new car you have to choose between a plug-in hybrid or an electric which way would you go right plug-in now hybrid with your life plug-in hybrid plug-in hi- I why would, would you not do an ev just i would yet? tell actually everybody who's looking to buy a car to buy a plug-in hybrid unless they are doing a very specific use case for an ev which would be commuting a specific set distance um i think plug-in hybrid is smarter i think we're ready for it um you can go 30 to 50 miles on a plug-in hybrid, generally speaking, um, of mm-hmm. electric miles. That's enough to cover pretty much everybody's daily commute. Um, if you want to do that, you can don't need a special level two charger unless you absolutely have to. Um, you can, which means you can charge it in a household outlet at home, slow charge. You can, you know, 
juice up while you're on the road if you want, but you don't have to. It also has the gas engine. So if you want to take a long road trip, it acts as a hybrid and you get great fuel economy out of that, as well as the comfort and ease of using gasoline. And I think it just makes more sense. It's also cheaper. Um, I just wish there Mm -hmm. are more of them. I know we're getting more of them. Like I know there's more coming. The Toyota Crown, which you and I are going to go drive in a few weeks. Um, There will be a plug-in hybrid version of that. I wish we had more of them because I think that that is the common sense solution for most of America that we're not talking about. I would agree. I think plug-in hybrid is the way to go. Okay, the last one. The worst, which airport is the worst to be stuck in? You have your choice. So I guess which one would you not want to be stuck in more? Charles de Gaulle or JFK? Oh, JFK. I gave you two real JFK because they're both two nasty airports. JFK is the worst. Yes, because CDG has better food. That's true. Better food, less air conditioning. So there is the pivot there. But I also feel like JFK is like, its infrastructure is old. So like, it's not great. Um, I do feel like I like CDG more and I don't particularly know why I'm saying that. I just feel like the food is better. There's more... Ugh, it's just nicer. So you'd be rather be stuck in Charles de Gaulle in France than in JFK in New York. I think so. Okay. No, I would you prefer to really never, never be stuck in an airport. Like to be clear. And I'm going to say <laughs> the one airport that I have been uh, emergency stopped at that I never care to go back to is Memphis. It reminded me of my oh, high school gymnasium. Oh gosh. It was, everything was that like sand colored brick from the seventies and these white floors that I think were linoleum. I'm not a hundred percent sure. They might've been like terrazzo, but it was like, Ooh. it was because there's, I don't know how many flights, 10 a day, but it was so buffed and clean. And the whole thing smelled like cleaner. And I was just <laughs> like, I have been, I don't know if there's restaurants at that time. There was like one small shop. They'd found somebody to go get candy bars and open. We had an emergency landing there for some reason. I don't remember. Um, probably oh, like weather in Atlanta or something. And they were backed up. Yeah. Um, but that was an airport I walked into and I was like, nope, nope. I, I, nope. Goodbye. I'm good. Like it was, it was, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know if they had Wi-Fi. I, that's like, it was, it was just one of those things. <laughs> that might be a good thing depending on your mo- mood at the moment. Sorry, can't connect to anything. Yeah. Bye. But also there was like nothing to set my eyes on. I was like, I'm in my gymnasium. All right. This is how we do this. <laughs> like, I, I just, I just, I didn't know what to do. And it was just awkward. So Memphis is low on my list. I haven't flown there to or from. Uh, Memphis is a five-hour drive for me, so I would probably just drive. But um, Just drive. Yeah, Memphis is low on my list of airports to, airports to be stuck in, okay. honestly. My least favorite airport on the planet are the ones in New York. JFK, LGA, Newark, which is technically New Jersey. But I don't want to be stuck in any of those airports, and I perpetually am. Newark's terrible for Delta customers. It really is because yeah. it shares a it shares a Gates area with Spirit, which, as we know, is the armpit of airlines, and mm-hmm. they uh, it's it's awful. But United, it's you fly good. United out of EWR, it's great, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. They have a beautiful club, um, but also EWR is more convenient when I go into the office, so I tend to go in and out there. Yeah. But I also don't go there to like sit and relax and stay. I'm going to uh, Nashville in um, an hour. I like Nashville. Nashville's yeah, I like there's Nashville. a new Sky Club in Nashville. The Nashville airport's yeah, an easy mission, in out. It is, and um, when I go to Nashville, I always get Nashville hot chicken. So that's going to be my goal to get Nashville hot chicken while I'm in there in Nashville for all of like not barely twenty four hours to drive the Aria, the Nissan Aria, which you have driven before, but this will be the first time I get to drive. That. I drove that in Spain, not Italy, and <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I am actually home this week crazy enough i am home this week and then next nice. week i set off on adventures pretty much through thanksgiving i am home very yeah. little through thanksgiving um i think for both of us there's lots of travel coming up this is like a little breather it is and then get ready to go it is and we spend a lot of october together after this week we spend a lot <laughs> of october together <laughs> we're either still gonna have a podcast or we're gonna hate each other in another month we'll see how that goes all right so to see if nicole and i like each other next week <laughs> tune into the next episode of fast women thank you for listening we'll talk to you next time bye everyone bye.